Hey everyone, today's episode is an encore episode. I've been seeing a lot of people in the studio this time of year, as usual, that are experiencing really dehydrated skin, and we're seeing a lot of lifting of the skin as a result of the thinning that occurs during this time of year. So uh, I'm going to replay an episode that I think is going to be really helpful for everyone this time of year. I repeat this information to my clients like every single year, like a broken record. So uh, here it is again, my episode on skin dehydration tips, waxing contraindications, and chapped lips. Enjoy. Hey, I know you're super busy, but do me a quick favor and go click that subscribe button. You'll be notified when new episodes are released so you don't miss a thing. Hey, welcome to Written on Your Face. I'm Tina Powers, and I'm a holistic esthetician, a master brow artist, interior design and organization enthusiast, astrologer, and much more. I'm skilled at many things, master of a few, but I'm enthusiastic about learning and sharing what I learn after experimenting with it myself. The welcome back to the podcast. This week, I want to talk a little bit about waxing, particularly facial waxing, specifically brow waxing, um, and the contraindications that I list on my waxing waiver uh, for my clients because this time of year, you know, our, our heat has come on and when the heat comes on, as I discussed in the last episode, it really does evaporate a lot of the water out of our skin, thereby creating this like dry condition on the skin. I'm saying dry. Dehydrated. It's not really dry. Dry is really about your oil content in your skin, whereas dehydrated is referring to the water content of your skin. So it can feel dry, but in fact, it's not oil dry, it is water dry. So that's called dehydrated skin. So I'm, I'm bringing this up because uh, this week in particular in Seattle, it's been a little colder and the weather's been a little just erratic. Today we had thunderstorms and uh, on the day I'm recording this, we had some wild rain and now it's like perfectly blue skies, but I don't think it's done. I think, I think we've got a few more days of this kind of chaos coming at us, but regardless, I've had a few people come in even today, just today that, um, had really overly thinned skin and it wasn't from anything that they were necessarily using topically, though it could have been partially. Um, but primarily it had to do with the fact that they turned the heat on in their home. So by doing that, you're going to start to see dehydration pretty quickly in your skin. So the first place you usually notice it is your lips. Your lips might get dry, chapped, irritated, cracked. Um, If that's the case, try your best not to lick your lips and then start using lip balm. And I recommend lip balms that have like a shea butter or cocoa butter base. Don't use anything with um, petrolatum in it. Petrolatum is an occlusive barrier on your skin. It can be extremely hard to remove and it just perpetuates the cycle of dryness and gets you really addicted to that petrolatum product. So, uh, plus you're eating it. 
I mean, do you want to be eating petrolatum? I would much rather ingest a little bit of shea butter. Um, that's just me. So I saw one here that I really like. Uh, it has a really beautiful shea butter base. It's very light and nourishing and moisturizing. Highly, highly, highly recommend getting on the ball and getting yourself a high quality lip balm. Okay. So that's number one. Number two, you can start to do some more of like your slugging. I did a whole episode about this, uh, a while back, a couple seasons ago where I did some investigation and I experimented with different types of products that I had heard of and that I had wanted to try on myself. And then I reported back what my findings were. So that's a pretty comprehensive episode, but uh, succinctly, one that I really like to use on my lips specifically is the La Roche-Posay Cisaplast. It's a B5 uh, balm, and it is very nourishing and rich. It's a dimethicone uh, base. It is semi-occlusive, which means you can remove it. It, it helps to protect the skin, uh, just as an occlusive would, but it's more breathable. So much more comfortable, easier to remove. So it gives you that, that nice long last lasting moisture without the artificial barrier that prevents you from absorbing or releasing moisture as needed. So again, the Cisaplast from La Roche-Posay and a shea butter based lip balm are your best friends. Uh, third of all, I recommend, you know, if your skin's feeling dry, if it's feeling sensitive, get your humidifier out. If you don't have a humidifier, I definitely recommend getting one. Put it next to your bed. Mine's about, you know, at the foot of my bed, it's like a few feet away from my bed. I turn it on about 30 minutes before I go to sleep and I sleep with it all night long. I do this every single night. Um, it will help to replenish the moisture in your mucous membranes. So it will help to prevent colds, flus. Um, it's not going to stop a virus. If a virus wants to you know, enter your body somewhere else. But, you know, usually we're breathing these types of things in. So if your mucous membranes are in really good shape and they're hydrated, they have a much better chance of filtering out uh, pollutant dust, um, bacteria and virus, you know, molecules that enter the nostrils. So your, your chances of getting sick are a lot lower. But also it hydrates your eyes, your lips, and all the rest of the skin on your body, even your hair. So humidifier at night, highly, highly, highly recommend. And then also make sure and use hyaluronic acid. So it is an acid, but your skin already makes it. The molecular size is so small, but it holds 1,000 times its own weight in moisture. So whatever you put on afterwards, whatever moisturizer you apply afterwards, gets absorbed far more efficiently into the skin. So you're affecting change, not just on the surface where you feel that dryness, but also deeper into the tissues so that as you progress, as your skin grows, you will have very nice, hydrated, soothed skin that is coming out to the surface. So as your skin grows and sheds and grows and sheds, you get about one month of skin. Every month you get a new epidermis. So using hyaluronic acid ensures that the new fresh skin that's being exposed has ample hydration. And then all you got to do is sleep with that humidifier on, use your hyaluronic acid serum. You can even put the hyaluronic acid, if you're using like a fluid, like a lightweight fluid, not necessarily a milky consistency or like a dense cream, 
if you're using like a serum formulation, you can put that right on your lips um, and then apply your lip balm or your Cisaplast or both over the top of that. That is like my secret recipe for healing chapped dry lips. I give it every single year, like clockwork. I've been an esthetician for what, 24 years now almost. And every single year I give the same story, the same tips to everybody. So once again, make sure your lips are nice and clean. I use a milky cleanser on my face. I might use it on my lips as well to add a little moisture, remove your cleanser, spray your toner, not your astringent, go back and listen to the toner episode because that's really important. Your toner, while your skin is damp, apply your hyaluronic acid and make sure you reserve at least one drop and apply that directly to your lips. I even will use it around my eyes because the second place that you're going to get really dehydrated is the tissue around your eyes. It's the thinnest skin on your whole entire body. So make sure that you're putting a little bit of hyaluronic acid serum around your eyes if only if it is like the light fluid version, or if it's a specific eye cream, don't put a face cream around your eyes. You're going to regret it. It just, it clogs your pores. It's, it can be a, a mess later on down the line. So, um, yeah, make sure you're using your hyaluronic acid serum. Always make sure you go over it with a moisturizer for the lips. That moisturizer should be a shea butter based lip balm. And then if you're going to be masking at night, again, use that Cisaplast over the top and your lips will be so soft in the morning. Another tip with lip dryness especially, do not lick your lips. Your saliva is a digestive enzyme. So if you have a broken barrier, dry, you know, dehydrated skin often can be have little like microscopic fissures or cracks in it. Every time you lick your lips, you're putting a digestive enzyme. So you're basically adding like an exfoliation to your lips and exfol an irritant. So try not to lick your lips because when you do, I don't know if you've ever seen little kids, you know, when they go to school and they come back and their lips are all chapped, but they're not just chapped. They have like a big red ring around their lips because they've been licking their lips to ease the dryness and discomfort, but it only makes the problem worse <laughs> because it's a digestive enzyme. So again, keep your lip balm on you. I, I am like one of those estheticians that's like, dude, have like three of them. I have one in my car. I have one in my backpack that I take with me or my purse. I move it from purse to purse and then, uh, or my pocket. And then I have one next to my bed. Three constantly, always. Um, so I've got my nighttime lip balm. I've got my daytime lip balm and I've got my car lip balm. And that is how I roll all year long. Um, so in terms of like keeping your skin, uh, hydrated that those are my top tips. Okay. Also reduce, uh, your exfoliation just for a little bit, just for a little bit, let your skin sort of adapt to the new environment, adapt to the new weather that's going on. Make sure it's like, you know, nice and, uh, hydrated from your humidifier and, um, dial in your moisture, right? Dial in your, your moisturizer. So make sure you're using the correct weight of moisturizer for your skin, uh, whatever feels the best. Uh, and then also make sure you're starting to use your hyaluronic acid. I usually take a break from my retinol until my skin is feeling balanced, right? Uh, you can restart it again later. Also vitamin C. I sometimes will put a little 
break on that. If you are experiencing dry skin or your skin's just feeling tight, I would hold off on the actives, hold off on the vitamin C, hold off on the, any serums that are not just straight up hyaluronic acid. I would just take a break. The one exception would be Tulsi, uh, also known as Holy Basil. There is a really beautiful oil that I sell here that is Tulsi based and it is made for sensitized skin. So that's a little different. It's not a serum, it's an oil, so it's protective. Okay, now onto the waxing. Okay, so I'm going to talk about some of the contraindications, and I'm going to talk a little bit about why. Some of them will be obvious, some of them won't be. Um, I have everyone sign this every single time they come in to get their brows waxed, because I do just a ton of brow waxes in here. And since our faces are so exposed to the elements, they're always out, they're not protected by you know, fabrics, clothing, nothing. They're just exposed. And we have more oil glands there and the skin is just more fragile and delicate. It's extremely important that you pay attention to what you are using on your skin, what type of medications you are taking. And if you are, uh, like had any medical care recently, let's say you had to go to the doctor and they put you on some sort of medication. It's important to remember that because this is why I have everybody look at this when they book their appointments. And then again, when they come in, because uh, things change, sometimes people book an appointment and two weeks later they come in and something has shifted between those two weeks. So the number one thing that, um, I have in bold type <laughs> on my waiver is, uh, current or recent use of Accutane or antibiotics. Now, if you're using Accutane, you cannot wax. You can't wax your face or your body. You're shaving your body if you're using any, doing any hair removal at all. Accutane thins the skin on every tissue in your body. So it is creating a situation where you're getting rapid, dramatic cell turnover rate, pushing out bacteria, um, any scar tissue, hyperpigmented skin, whatever. Usually it's given to people with uh, cystic acne. It used to be just handed out like candy. And I do still know that there are some dermatologists out there that still like to prescribe it a lot. Um, I, I don't think that it needs to be prescribed as much as it is, but you know, whatever. I, I'm not in the, I'm not in the doctor's chair, so I can't really say, but do your research on this one. Um, it is dramatic. You got to take it for like six months at a time. If you're a woman, you must be on birth control pills because if you get pregnant while you're taking it, it the birth defects are horrendous. Um, so Accutane, again, if you put wax on a skin, especially on the face that has Accutane in the system, the skin will peel off. And I had a woman one time come and see me many years ago and she signed the waiver, but she did not tell me she was taking Accutane and I put wax on her eyebrow. And when I pulled the wax off, it was just like, I mean, it wasn't bleeding, but it was because it didn't go down to the dermis, but it peeled off a lot of her epidermis and it was extremely shiny. It was like, it was not good. Okay. So if you're using Accutane, don't even think about it. You're tweezing your eyebrows. I do tweezing services. So, you know, look for tweezing services if you really want your brows done. Uh, but you're going to need to wait for six months after your last dose of Accutane. So if you're doing a six month round of Accutane, you cannot wax for one full year. 
Okay. Uh, as far as antibiotics are concerned, again, antibiotics will also thin your skin dramatically. So, uh, with antibiotics, they kind of flow out of your system a little bit faster. So if you're on a potent dose of an antibiotic, like I I've been on doses that were as long as seven days, I've been on doses as short as three. Um, I don't know. I think there's like a one day dose too, for certain things. I don't know. But anyway, uh, you can't wax your skin for seven full days after your last dose. That means if you took your last dose on Tuesday, you can't wax until the following Tuesday. That's just the rule. Okay. Um, you also just want to be a little careful, right? If you're taking antibiotics, you want to make sure you're using your sunscreen. Of course, if you're taking Accutane, you like, just don't go in the sun. Okay. Just stay out of the sun. You're going to, you can cause damage really quickly with antibiotic use and with Accutane use. Um, okay. So we're also looking at steroids, topical or oral steroids, retin-A and acne medications. Now, the reason for these is again, the same thing. These all have skin thinning, uh, properties. So you could experience some tearing in the skin and injuries from waxing. And we don't want to do that. Um, I also ask for people to let me know what their current supplements over the counter or, um, from like a, a naturopath or even if they're, physician recommended certain, um, vitamins or supplements, because, you know, you never know. Some of these things can be contraindicated and you never know until someone comes in and there can be a combination of things that could be thinning your skin or irritating your skin. Also, especially if they're new, right? Sometimes they can cause irritation, um, sensitive or reactive skin conditions. This is kind of just like a blanket, statement. Everyone has an idea of what they think sensitive or reactive skin is. This can sometimes be from a new product that you're using. It can be from a, uh, travel, you know, there could have been, a, um, conditions when you were traveling that created some irritation in your skin, whatever it is. Um, I typically like to, um, clarify this by asking if they have what they would consider to be naturally sensitive skin or a sensitized skin, like, environmentally, like they have some kind of an irritation that's recent, um, that they haven't been able to figure out yet. Eczema, rosacea, and psoriasis, all of those also fall into this category. That would be more of a sensitive skin condition, um, because those are usually more of a genetic component. Typically, um, the, the source of that is a microbiome, a gut microbiome issue. Um, there's lots and lots and lots of information out there about that. Um, I also ask about previous reactions to waxing, right? Most people get red so common. We're ripping out hair by the root, you know, we're just pulling it out of the skin. So of course your skin is going to get a little red. There's going to be a mild inflammation as the skin reestablishes its pore, natural pore and follicle size. It takes about 24 hours for that follicle to close. So, um, it's going to be a little sensitive. Redness is totally par for the course. Usually, you'll see redness subside within, you know, 10 minutes to sometimes up to 30 minutes. But if you've had previous reactions where redness has occurred that has not gone down for a significant period of time, or if you had a burn or you had a tear in your skin, or if you had hives, let's say you got bumps that looked like pimples, but they weren't really pimples. They got kind of fluid filled. They might've been itchy. They might not have been itchy. Those are all things I want to know because that could mean that your skin has a high histamine response. And some clients like to take an oral Benadryl before they come in to uh, kind of help to 
calm their body's histamine production because it's usually just your body reacting to the hair coming out because when it does, it's going, it's pulling on, uh, it's pulling out oil, it's pulling out bacteria through that follicle. So all of that is getting disrupted along the way. I always clear and clean the skin with an oil composition that has some like lavender and jojoba uh, or sweet almond oil because it is very light. It can penetrate deeper into the skin. The lavender is actually antibacterial. And so it can help to clear up any potential disruption uh, from the oil or the bacteria. Um, what else? Um, oh, if you have any kind of like a skin infection currently or recently, and that would be like, you know, ringworm, cold sores, etc. anything like that. Cause I, I need to know that. Cause that can be actually really contagious and I don't want to have any contagious, uh, skin issues that could be spread th obviously throughout my salon. Um, current use of your AHAs or BHAs, glycolic acid or salicylic acid, right? Now these aren't always deal breakers. In fact, most of the time I would say they're not even glycolic acid, which a lot of people, you know, tend to be using glycolic acids these days, though I did have someone come in recently who was using a glycolic face wash and she had been using it for a long time. So I, I touched her skin and kind of like got a, a sense that her skin seemed pretty, resilient and we did a little test patch just to make sure and everything was fine. So it's always good to let your waxer know because, you know, we might want to take some precautions there. It's not always a deal breaker. Like I said, it totally depends on the product. I usually like to do a little quick research to see what percentage of salicylic acid and glycolic acid you're using. Also, what kind of formulation are you using? Is it in a mask that you leave on your face for a long period of time? Is it a professional grade treatment? Are you getting, I had a woman come in, hand to God, she was ordering 50% glycolic acid off of like the Canadian internet and having it mailed to her house. And she came in to get her brows waxed and I just gave her a, a no, a no, there's no way. I was like, I'm so sorry. We will not be waxing you today. <laughs> Let me explain to you why, since now I have 15 minutes to kill because I can't book anybody for this appointment, but it seemed like a good time to really, ex you know, impart a little wisdom. If you're using 50% professional, like dermatologist grade, medical grade, uh, glycolic acid on your face without, uh, any knowledge of what it's doing, it, you need to let your waxer know, because I'm telling you right now, the chances of your skin peeling off and you getting scabs on your face is quite high. And quite, in fact, I would go as far as to say quite likely. <laughs> um, so don't take a risk, right? This is your face. You cannot just, what are you going to do? You can't cover it up. You're just gonna have to walk around with scabs on your face. And we don't want that. I don't want that. And you sure don't want that. So glycolic acid, salicylic acid, there are some follow-up questions I always ask about those. Of course, recent exfoliation, if you've had any kind of recent exfoliation, even if it's at home, it's always good to let us know because I can kind of get a sense of what you're using and what's going on with your skin. And of course, obviously, if you recently had a professional exfoliation treatment, whether it's from an esthetician or your cousin who's going to aesthetic school or, you know, uh, uh, your dermatologist or a plastic surgeon, whoever, uh, if someone has done a professional exfoliation on you within 
the last, I would say, five days to a week, you might want to wait. You might want to just wait, let it rest. Of course, if you've had any professional treatments like microneedling or nanoinfusion, I don't like people to get any waxing services done for about 10 days at least afterwards. Two weeks is best. Uh, of course, if you have any sunburn or recent sun exposure, that's always good to know because uh, the sun is quite damaging to the epidermis. And it can, especially if you have a sunburn, can cause peeling and thinning of the skin. So obviously we wouldn't want to wax someone who has a sunburn. We're definitely not going to put wax on a sunburn because it'll just peel right off. Um, heat allergies. Now this can be a thing. This is so uncommon. It is so rare for me to see this. I've been doing this for 24 years. I've almost never seen someone with a heat allergy have a reaction to wax, but it's always good to keep it top of mind if you're someone who suffers with something like that because wax is hot we can't wax you with cold wax it's just not a thing so I use a, hot, a hard wax and the hard wax is a cooler temperature I heat it to about 68 degrees so it's relatively cool temperature however it's really thin skin around your eyes especially so uh, and on your face in general so you know it can feel warmer when it goes on the skin um, now I also ask about varicose veins or capillary damage in the treatment area. This usually has more to do with the legs. Um, also edema or other swelling in the area. Again, this is typically more seen in the legs or the extremities. The reason why I like to use caution is because obviously we're pulling wax and hair out of your skin. It's going to create some like pulling and like... Could, it could, if you have damage to your veins that are kind of at the surface of the skin, there is a potential that it could further that damage. So, you know, it's always good to know. Now, if you have hemophilia, a blood condition, heart condition, I always like to know that as well because it can cause more bleeding. If your skin, like sometimes you get little pin pick, uh, pinprick bleeding in like your underarms or your bikini line because you have dense, thick, hair that usually has one to three hairs in the follicle at the same time. So that's usually when you pull those hairs out, you can very easily see a little bit of pinprick bleeding. So we want to know about the hemophilia blood conditions or heart conditions because, you know, if you have those conditions, you may not stop bleeding. So we want to be aware of that. Diabetes, same thing. You know, you can't feel anything, especially on the lower legs. Doesn't mean you can't wax. It just means that we might want to do a little test patch because you may also have, uh, if there's any damage that does occur, you won't heal very well from it. Also, if you have really thick, coarse hair, especially on your legs uh, or your bikini line and you have diabetes, if you have pinprick bleeding, again, it can cause healing issues. So we want to know that. Nerve damage, increased or decreased sensitivity of the skin. This is kind of like repetitive, but again, that's how much I really want to know. Um, if you have nerve damage, it just means that you're probably not going to feel if, uh, if something happens, right? So it can deaden the nerve. That can be kind of a bonus, especially if you can't feel the hair coming out. I digress. Um, but you know, we don't, we definitely want to know that because we want to use caution. And then of course, allergies, uh, or any intolerances. And this can be anything, nuts, 
um, any kind of, like some people uh, can be allergic to or sensitive to um, the shea nut, right? That's shea butter. It's from the shea nut. Cocoa, cocoa bean. It's Technically they call it a bean, but it's kind of a nut. Um, so coconut sometimes can be problematic, right? There's coconut in a lot of products these days. So again, it's always good to know if you have any specific allergies. And then of course, if you're pregnant, um, I ask this one because it can make you much more sensitive to waxing. It can, you know, you're getting a lot of hormone disruption and shifts, so it can cause a little bit extra sensitivity. Uh, and yeah, in fact, actually it can make you much more sensitive even to, uh, leg waxing, uh, definitely for like bikini waxing. Some people when they're pregnant, sit where their hair starts to fall out while they're pregnant. And then some people like me, their hair doesn't fall out at all. So it's really hard sometimes to get hair out of the follicle. So it can make waxing much harder, sometimes impossible. So on some occasions, I'll want to ask a few follow-up questions, and I may want to do a patch test to see how your hair comes out of the follicle. Um, <laughs> the downside of your hair not coming out at all means that, well, number one, your hair looks really thick while you're pregnant, but after you give birth and <laughs> you start to at your hormones rebalance, all this hair starts to fall out and you feel like you're going bald. I mean, people lose like, I mean, I was losing like handfuls of hair in the shower. It was crazy. Um, so everyone's a little different and there's no way to really know until you go through it. So those are all of the contraindications that I like to go over with clients every time they come in for waxing. So if any of those have come up for you or you have noticed that they might apply to you, absolutely take my advice here. You know, uh, I've tried to be as thorough as possible, but if you have any more questions, definitely leave me a voicemail. Uh, you can use the link in the show notes and you can ask me any questions you might have. If there's anything I didn't mention here, uh, again, make sure your skin is nice and prepped and hydrated. If you're coming in for body waxing, do a light exfoliation. I just use exfoliating gloves and a nice creamy moisturizing body wash. Uh, and do a nice gentle exfoliation like the morning of or even the night before is totally fine. Uh, and that'll just help to prep the skin. It'll help to lift the hair up, make sure there's no dead skin that is like accumulated on the surface of the skin, particularly in the wintertime. Uh, and that means that when we wax, that hair will come out so much more cleanly. And then when we apply, I use like a, a moisture uh, a moisturizing oil afterwards. And that moisturizer will really, really sink into the skin and help to rehydrate those tissues. So, uh, yeah, if you have any questions, or if there's any topics that you would like for me to discuss, please feel free to leave me a voice memo and I will talk to you guys next week. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining me today. All of the editing, recording, subject, content, production, everything is done by yours truly. So go on over and click that subscribe button so you don't miss an episode and it lets me know who is out there listening. Uh, rate and review the show. Let me know what you'd like to hear. Uh, what do you want me to talk about? Who knows? Your question or your request might get answered on a future episode. Find me online at powerspaseattle.com, on social media at powerspaseattle, and also at heytpow on Instagram and TikTok. All right, good talk. <laughs>